welcome to the preaching ministry podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church in Easley, South Carolina. Our goal is to exalt the Savior, evangelize the sinner, and encourage the saint through faithful exposition of God's Word. If you've got your Bibles this morning, let's find the book of Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Uh, today and this upcoming week and even tonight inside of our own fellowship, we will celebrate the freedoms that we enjoy as citizens of this great nation. And thank God that we live in a country that still enjoys the freedoms that we enjoy today. Just to do something like this, we should be grateful for. There are nations across this country or across this globe that do not have the freedoms that we have today to just gather together, worship the Lord freely, and to get together in small groups and study the Word of God. Help us to never take that right for granted because there were men and women that stood there were men and women that fought and gave their very lives that we might enjoy the freedoms that we have today. I'm grateful for those that fought to secure our freedoms. I am grateful for those who fight to preserve our freedoms. I just happen to be a preacher that's proud to be a part of the United States of America. I got red, white, and blue in me, man. I'm a, I'm a red-blooded American man, and you want to make the liberals happy, tell them you're a preacher and you're excited about being an American, amen? Because it drives them crazy, amen? I'm, I, listen, I thank God for the country I live in, amen? And we'll celebrate that, and we should. But we didn't come to worship America. We came to worship the Lord of Lords. His name is Jesus. We came to worship the one that gave his life on a cross of Calvary that we might be saved from self, sin, and Satan. But truly in this country, we have watched our society, we have watched our culture turn away from God. And the question is, is God turning his back on us? And so this morning from Romans chapter one, I want to preach for just a few minutes and the church said, <laughs> oh me, or yeah, right, right? God's revealed wrath. God's revealed wrath. Wow, we certainly are grateful for the country that we live in. Just a flipping through the news stations that we see each and every day that dominate the airwaves of the television and the radio. Every now and then, we probably ought to just turn those off, amen? But they dominate our hearing and we see very vividly on the screens of our phones and our televisions and our iPads and our computers that America has continued to turn her back on the one true God. And this morning, as we go through Romans chapter one, I'll be honest with you, church, I tried every way in the world not to preach Romans chapter one this morning. I talked to Pastor Jeremy about it. I talked to Stacy about it. Even last night, I said, you know, I don't know about Romans one. Because we're supposed to celebrate tomorrow. And man, Paul's going to chap their hides in Romans chapter 1. And I thought, that ain't what I want to do on Independence Day. But here we are. 
And it's a sobering message, but it is a needed message in this country. And I want to say to you from the outset, I ain't mad about it. I'm mad at the devil. I'm mad at how he has redefined terms. I'm mad at how he has taken the minds of some of our folks and has, has, has turned them to where they don't understand natural thinking even anymore. But as we go through Romans chapter one, if you go through the book of Romans, obviously the most doctrinally rich book in all of the Bible. And Paul really is setting a courtroom stage in the first three chapters. And he sets this truth that we are all guilty. But in chapter one, we will see the result of that guilt. Let's stand together this morning. I'll begin reading in Romans chapter one and verse 18 as we consider God's revealed wrath. If you're there in Romans one, would you say amen? amen. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. You see, you'll stand before God one day. We'll all stand before God one day, and he's saying he's revealed himself to us, and you will stand there without excuse. It goes on to say in verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man to birds, four-footed beasts, creeping things, wherefore God gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever, amen. For this cause, God gave them up to vile affections. For even their women did not change the natural use into that which is against nature. Likewise, also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of the error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which were not convenient. Then he gives a list of all of those sins and comes down to verse 32, who knowing the judgment of God, that which commits such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Heavenly Father, I pray that you've prepared our hearts now to hear what it is you would speak to us through your word. And Lord, I pray that you would give me that touch that turns a mere mortal man into a messenger of the Almighty. Lord, challenge us this morning from your word to find ourselves on our knees pleading, Heavenly Father, for you to do a mighty work in and amongst your people that we might be the salt and light that you've called us to be in a culture that seems to have gone crazy. 
Lord, we'll give you the praise and honor and glory for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Stacy and I, when we first started dating, our very first date, we went to hear an evangelist preach by the name of Maze Jackson. Anybody know who's May, heard of Maze Jackson? All right, some of you know who Maze Jackson is. Maze Jackson, old-time evangelist. And we went there to hear Maze Jackson preach that night. And he preached, he was preaching actually the first part of Romans, and he was talking about we're all sinners. And he got to that, and he talked about how uh, guilt is something everybody deals with. And when we started dating, it was right at the height, some of you that are in my generation will understand this, of the white Bronco that was driving down the interstate in California. And the question during the trial was this, did OJ do it? And Mace Jackson got up there that night and he said, I'm going to tell you something. If you'll come back tomorrow night, I'm going to tell you if OJ is innocent or guilty. So you don't miss tomorrow night. You do not want to miss tomorrow night because tomorrow night, I'm going to tell you if OJ is innocent or guilty. So what do you think we did? We're back the next night. At the end of the service, he said, look, you got to be back tomorrow night because we didn't get to it tonight, but tomorrow night, I'm going to tell you. If OJ, and listen, the trial's going, everybody's talking about it, right? So we finally get back to last night. Maze Jackson's going to tell us if OJ is innocent or guilty. He said, I know some, I'm trying to do a Maze Jackson impression, but I don't think anybody can do a good one. He said, he said, I know you've been waiting all week to hear this. And so tonight I'm going to let you know, is everybody paying attention? Lean in. I'm going to tell you if OJ is guilty or innocent. You listening? He said, OJ is guilty, but stop. So are you. For we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So lest you think you have arrived, you are guilty as well. And I thought, well, that's a good way to start a Friday night revival. <laughs> guilty, guilty, guilty. Every single one of us, the Bible makes it clear, have fallen short of the glory of God. So as we walk through chapter one here, what we're going to see is because of our guilt, it then turns into societal guilt and society turns her back on the almighty. And then as a result, we begin to see some of the things that we're beginning to see in our own society today. And John MacArthur speaks of the abandoning judgment of God. Now we know that there is the wrath of God that is poured out in the end times. We've been walking through the book of Revelation on Sunday nights. And we've seen during the tribulation period, man, the, the wrath of God is being poured out. This is a different type of wrath that, that we experience in society because we've turned our back on God and God begins to turn his back on society. It makes me wonder sometimes as I study Romans 1, if we've not crossed the deadline and the abandonment of God on this country has begun. You know, ultimately, he'll give us what we want. And that's what we'll see in the scriptures. Number one, if you're taking notes, there's revelation. I won't take much time to walk through this this morning, but God has revealed himself to us. In verse 19, he speaks of God being manifest. That means he's, he's made himself known. And God's revealed himself to man. Man's got a conscience. 
Man knows inside of himself what is right and what is wrong. And your inner conscience, it, it affirms what's right, what's good and what is evil. And Paul suggests that God's placed that into us. And not only in the inner man, but is there a revelation or there's an internal work of revelation. There's an external work of revelation. If you go through this, he says that even the invisible things of him from creation of the world are clearly seen. There's general revelation that's been made to all of us through the creation that God has spoken into existence. And it's not hard to look at creation and know that there is a God. And it seems to me that it takes more faith to believe evolution than it does creation. The idea that somehow man crawled out of some cosmic scum is beyond me. But when I see the world today, I wonder, wonder if we did crawl out of some cosmic scum. <laughs> it reminds me of a poem. I got a good friend of mine here today. He's got a PhD. So this one's just for him. Here's the poem. You ready? First, I was a tadpole beginning to begin. Then I was a frog with my tail tucked in. Then I was a monkey swinging from the tree. Now I am a professor with a PhD. <laughs> I mean, God's revealed himself to us through our conscience and through creation. And he says there in the end of verse 20, you'll stand without excuse. And while general revelation has been made, you and I have specific revelation. We've got the canon. We've got the, the word of God. We've got the creation and the canon. We've got the skies and the scriptures. And you and I, we will stand without excuse. I have stood and proclaimed the truth of the word of God. You've got the word of God right there in front of you. And God is revealing himself to you so that one day you will absolutely stand before him without excuse. But I didn't know. Without excuse. There's the internal work of revelation. And there's an external work of revelation. So there is revelation. But then in verse 21, we see there was revelation, but there was rejection. One scholar wrote this. He said, the tragedy does not lie in the so-called fact that man does not know there's a higher being. But the tragedy lies in the fact that after knowing there is a God, Man refuses to submit to him. And I would suggest to you this morning that without a doubt, this culture, the society in which we live, even in the greatest nation still on earth, I believe, we've turned our back on the Almighty and we have rejected the Almighty. You say, Pastor, how can you make such a statement? Well, in 1962, the Supreme Court ruled prayer out of our public schools. 1963, the same court dismantled public Bible reading inside of our schools. In 1973, the Supreme Court said you could murder the unborn. 1980, the court ruled that posting the Ten Commandments in a school was unconstitutional. 1982, the court prohibited teaching Bible creation. 2015, the court redefined God's order for the family. And in our schools, prayer is out and policemen are in. Creation is out, evolution is in. 
Corporal punishment is out and disrespect is in. Abstinence is out and abortion is in. And our society finds itself in an absolute mess of our own making. And in verse 22, it says this, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. We have rejected God and the abandonment of God on this nation, on this country, on this culture, on this society, we are beginning to watch happen. Because here's, here's what Paul's going to do for us. He's going to show us when we begin to rebel, when we begin to reject what it looks like. And as we read the second half of chapter one, you'd have to say, that's what it's beginning to look like. So yeah, there's revelation and rejection, but there's rebellion. Well, you talk about rebellion. Turn the television on. There's no respect for the Lord Jesus. There's no respect for anything that is holy. And I understand lost people are going to act like lost people. But the vileness, it seems to me these days, has no end. And in this rebellion, you see man's selfish desires. Who is man concerned about these days? Nobody but self. We are, we are so consumed with ourselves. And we don't, we don't need God. And that starts, according to verse 24, on our own hearts. And it's revealed in our conduct. And then according to verse 25, we change the truth of God into a lie. We've begun to worship the creature more than the creator because man so desires to feel good. And our selfish desires is part of this rebellion. And there's not only these selfish desires, but there's man's sexual deviance. And every society that has embraced and courted, if you will, sexual deviance has experienced the judgment of God. It's one of the clear indicators that God is turning and that the wrath of abandonment is beginning to happen. Man, this is seen in the Old Testament. It's seen in the Corinthian culture, the Greco-Roman culture. They, they, they all ceased to exist because they had embraced sexual deviancy. And when society embraces that which is immoral, that society will begin to experience the abandonment wrath of God. I want to show you something. I want you to look at verse 24. It says, wherefore also God gave them up. Verse 26, God gave them up. Verse 28, God gave them over. Eventually, God will give you up and give you over to your vile affections. But where does that start? Where does that start? In verse 24, where does it start? It starts in the heart, and then it's revealed where? In the body. Is that not what we're watching happen? The rebellion starts in the heart and then it is revealed in the body. There's a culture that we are living in today that is dominated by pornography and pornographic websites. And it feeds the lust that our culture seems to desire so badly. And it is crushing marriages. It is leading to the abuse of kids. And we're embracing all sorts of wicked and immoral behavior. Do you know the pornography industry brings in more revenue than Major League Baseball, the National Basketball Association, and the NFL combined? And it's destroying this country. 
because we're rebelling in our hearts and it's coming out and being revealed through our bodies. An embracing of this sexual immorality has been no more clear in my lifetime than in the last 30 days in this country. I won't belabor that point, but I'm just here to tell you, that stuff is a religion. And we better be careful. And we share Jesus with them, but we share truth with them. And the truth is this, is it satisfaction outside of the confines of how God designed it in physical intimacy leads to a life of depression and defeat. Physical intimacy is created by God to be experienced within the confines of marriage that he designed. And he designed it this way, one man and one woman. And Paul makes it clear that, 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 that as they have rejected God and they rebelled against God, verse 24, wherefore, therefore, because you've rebelled against God, this is what you're getting. I mean, we're just making stuff up now. We're just making stuff up. You say, Pastor, we're making stuff up? Yes, we're making stuff up. You say, what is it? It's already 1128. I'll just give you one. I'm gonna give you one that some of you are starting to think is true. You're starting to think, well, maybe there is something to this because you've been told it over and over and over again. But this is all brand hammer new. Here's one of them. Gender is fluid. <laughs> We've just made that up in the last two years, three years. We just, who decided that was true? I'll tell you who decided. This culture decided that was true. And this culture, and, and it's right here. We've rebelled against God, so that's what we're getting. And so as a result, God just begins to As a result of all of that, verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. I know, I, listen, I'm just barely scratching the surface here, but, but, but watch this with me. If you've got your Bibles open, I want you to see something. You ready? Verse 24. You ready? Verse 24. Wherefore, wherefore God gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own what? Of their own hearts. To dishonor their own what? Verse 28, and then as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate what? Amen. All right, so that rebellion started in the heart. It's revealed through the body. And then it gets in their mind. And they don't think clearly no more. I mean, some of the things we're embracing today you talk about professing to be wise, but being fools. This reprobate mind is a non-functioning mind. One commentator said it this way. Reasoning is corrupted in the reprobate mind. Is that not, I mean, has anybody else looked at the television screen and gone, where has just reasonable logic gone? But don't be surprised by all of this because this is what happens in a society that rebels against God. 
And that is exactly what we have. this This isn't a camp meeting sermon, is it? But it's absolutely true. We've rebelled against the Almighty. It started in our hearts. It's revealed in our bodies. And then we become those with reprobate minds. I don't know that there's a lot of scriptural support for coming back from a reprobate mind. A non-functioning mind that doesn't think right, that celebrates sin. Well, there's revelation. There's rejection. There's rebellion. And there's ruin. Verse 32, who knowing the judgment of God... They which commit such things are worthy of death. You see, God's revealed himself to man and man rejected him. Man replaced him. Man refused him. And so God gave him what he wanted. And when that sin is fully developed, It leads to ruin. They're worthy of death. Eternally separated from the Almighty. And so this morning we see what's happening in society. God did not send his son to die for society. He sent his precious darling son to die for sinners. And Paul said, I'm the chief of them. If any of you been saved, you probably feel the same way. I'm the chief of them. And Jesus came to save Sinners. And this morning, maybe you found yourself rejecting God because you're sick of all these judgmental Christians. Listen, I'm sick of them too. But I do want to stand with conviction and compassion on the truth of the Word of God. And the truth is we're all guilty. And we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the wages of that sin is death. That is spiritual death. That is eternal separation from God Almighty in a place called hell. That's what we've earned. From the pulpit to the pew, all of us are guilty. Ain't none of us better than the other one. But in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, Boy, there's some good news. But God commended his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So yeah, we've seen today what can happen in society. I've also seen what can happen to a sinner who comes to the realization that he is a sinner and understands that God commended his love towards you that even inside of our sinful condition, even inside of our mess, Jesus Christ died for us. 
And in Romans 10, 9, he says, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And so this morning, you sit and the Lord has put his finger right on your soul. You see, because he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And he's begun to draw you. See, John 6, says, you won't come unless you're drawn. And if God's dealing with you about your salvation this morning, in just a moment, we're gonna stand to our feet and have an invitation. If God's dealing with you about where you're gonna live forever, because you're gonna live forever somewhere. If God's dealing with you about your eternity, I'm gonna ask you in just a moment, just stand to your feet, come down, grab me by the hand and say, Pastor, I need to be saved. I would love to take this precious word and show you how you can leave knowing heaven is your home. Secondly, if you're here today, You've been saved, but boy, you haven't been walking the walk of faith like you should. You've kind of fallen off the highway of holiness for a little while. You've embraced some of the craziness of the culture. How about today, just repent of your sin and let's get back on the highway of holiness that Isaiah talked about. Thirdly, you're here today, saved by God's grace. Why don't you pray God would use you in a greater way than ever before to be salt and light in this culture that is experiencing the wrath of abandonment from a holy God. And pray that God's judgment would be held off that others might come to know him as Savior and Lord. God, use us to be the salt and light that you've called us to be. Oh, there can be ruin. And there will be ruin for those who reject Christ. But boy, there is righteousness available. It's called imputed righteousness according to Romans chapter four. That means Jesus takes all of his righteousness and deposits it into your account. And you know what you deposit into his? All of your sinfulness. Because you don't have anything to give. Somebody said, I participated in my salvation. I said, how so? He said, I did all the sinning and God did all the saving. It is no secret, church, that our culture is experiencing Romans chapter one. But the church of the living God, we have been called to be salt and light in this world. We've been called and commanded to pray for those that lead us. From local leaders. Listen, our local leaders need your prayers. They're fighting hell by the acre and they need your prayers. Godly people who are serving in capacities that desire and need our prayers. Statewide, they need our prayers. Our country, our leaders need your prayers. You are required, commanded to pray for the leaders of our country. So here's the invitation. Here today and lost and God's dealing with you about your salvation. I'd love to talk to you about how you can make your calling and election sure. Here today, and maybe you've grown cold and indifferent toward the things of God, and God's a God of a second chance. How about just confess, get right with God, and restore that sweet fellowship with Him? Maybe you're here today, and you want to find a spot in an altar and lift up your local leaders. You want to lift up your state leaders. You want to lift up your national leaders. We... We ought to all be on our knees. 
And finally, maybe you just want to find a spot on an altar and say, Lord, thank you for my salvation. And I see what's happening in the culture. Help me to be the Christian that I've been called to be to make a difference for the cause of Christ. As we stand to our feet, we're going to have a song of invitation. Heavenly Father, we pray now that as we move into this invitation time, the Lord, you would speak to hearts. And Lord, we'd find ourselves in a posture of prayer. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You come as they sing. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the preaching ministry podcast of Mount Pisgah Baptist Church. If you'd like additional information, please visit mtpisgah.cc.